This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. So this will be uh, my last Dharma talk of the summer. I'll be working uh, for one more week uh, and then uh, taking vacation uh, until Labor Day. And I plan to uh, spend a couple weeks up in Cape Cod uh, during that vacation period. So our online sittings uh, can, of course, continue uh, through the month of August. When it comes to vacation, I have to say, um, much less uh, concerned with where I'm going to go than what am I going to read? That's always the big question, you know, of a vacation coming up. What, what books am I going to take? But I do have one project for the summer, which is preparing uh, for the um, workshop I will be leading in October up at the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies, uh, which this year is going to focus on uh, philosopher Wilfred Sellers and uh, his relationship to Buddhist philosophy. Uh, that may be a tad esoteric and dry for most people, but uh, it's going to focus on a very common metaphor that we encounter in practice, the idea that we all see reality through colored or clouded lenses and that practice lets us take them off and see reality directly. So Sellers... Uh, challenges this whole notion of seeing reality directly. And we'll talk about uh, what happens if we uh, let go of that particular metaphor in our practice. Uh, we're not going to have a uh, multi-day ordinary mind uh, session in the fall. So if any of you want to uh, plan to come up uh, to the Barry Center, uh, you might consider doing a little um, reading on your own this summer in Sellers. Uh, you should get a hold of the book called Empiricism and the Philosophy of Mind, the Harvard University Press edition with the um, attached study go guide by uh, Robert Brandon. The other thing I've been uh, working on uh, 
is a new book by Jay Garfield. And uh, I got interested in him because he's the editor of this volume on uh, sellers and Buddhist philosophy. And he has a new book out uh, called uh, Losing Ourselves, which uh, I'm considering uh, using as the... Uh, next book that we read excerpts from in the fall for our discussion group. It's a very, he has a pretty good uh, outline of the ways that uh, the notion of a self has been invoked to solve a number of uh, religious and philosophical problems. I mean, we've spoken about how Buddhism originally uh, arose in uh, contrast to the Hindu notion of the identity of Brahman and Atman, the identity of the individual soul with uh, something divine. Uh, and Buddha proclaimed anatman, no self, instead of atman. Garfield's good at uh, tracing the different Indian schools of uh, Buddhist thought and how they looked at what the notion of the self had been and why they held on to it. And these were primarily uh, one religious kinds of reasons of trying to uh, hold on to something that could survive after death. We wanted to have a self or soul that is separate from the body and then therefore isn't mortal. It has a chance to go on after death. And that obviously is a deep emotional human need. And we'll fabricate just about any kind of philosophical nonsense necessary in order to cling to it. In the West, uh, we had a similar preoccupation uh, with an afterlife. But in Christianity, we had the... Uh, added need to account for free will and moral responsibility. And there we needed to create a, a picture of a self that somehow was, in Kant's words, transcendent and that was not simply subject to cause and effect. We needed a self that somehow could have free will. It wasn't just all, you know, all the self's actions wouldn't be accounted for by what happened to it or what caused it. Because if we did that, how could there be any moral responsibility of our, for our actions if we were nothing but billiard balls in a system acting uh, simply as a result of how we were acted on? Uh, 
if that's the case, it's not so easy to just see why some people are going to heaven and other people are going to hell. Where is uh, the fairness of that if everything is causally predetermined? So there was, all, there was a big uh, kind of religious and philosophical incentive there as well to create this entity somehow outside of physicality and time and space. But even if we uh, look at those arguments and think that is um, outdated nonsense we can do without, there's a whole other phenomenological dimension to self-experience, which is the fact that it just feels like I'm inside, that I'm something mental, that I'm identified with my consciousness or awareness or my choices. And that feels different than my body. It feels, again, like there's something inside that we have to try to identify. And I think there's a whole uh, literature of phenomenology, uh, some of which uh, we read when we read uh, Galen Strawson. Uh, Also, Evan Thompson is good in this, of how we can gradually shift to the language of the person rather than an inner structural self to account for things like memory and the unity of experience and the sense of agency and all how all these things need to get redefined in terms of an embodied and active socially uh, engaged and construction uh, constructed person but i think one of the things we're left with no matter how uh, much we hear from philosophers or Buddhists that the self is an illusion, that the feeling of being a self won't go away. That's just sort of how we're built. It feels like that. And there's the analogy to how we see a sunset. You know, in the evening we watch the sun approach the horizon with all the beautiful colors that result. If somebody says, you know, of course, don't you, that the sun isn't moving, the sun isn't actually setting, the earth is rotating. Well, yes, that's right, I understand that. But that doesn't change just the fact that it's always going to look like the sun is setting. Wittgenstein asked, well, how would it look if the earth was rotating? And well, this is how it looks. It's the same thing, but it doesn't feel that way to us. It always looks like the sun is moving against a backdrop. And that's not going to go away, no matter how many times it's explained to us about the earth's rotation. And I think that we have to get used to the idea 
that the feeling of self is not going to just disappear, no matter how much we argue against it philosophically, or even how big a Kensho experience we have. What does change is our capacity to be less defensive against the realities of change, of impermanence, and a greater recognition of interdependence and vulnerability. And the way who we are is defined not just by something we feel deep inside, but by all the relationships we're in. And that who we are and who we are engaged with and what we do, these are all inseparable. Anyway, uh, if you have a uh, chance, that's another book you might want to take a look at during the summer. Uh, Jay Garfield, Losing Ourselves, and uh, you could all put your two cents in as to whether you think that's uh, something you'd like to read chapters of uh, for the discussion group in the fall. Uh, none of that's set in stone yet, and we still have some of those householder koans left uh, as a default if uh, people prefer those. And uh, I'm open to hearing uh, from you other nominations for things that might be worth reading and discussing. But I'm certainly not going to uh, just spend the uh, summer reading and thinking about Buddhism, I promise you. Uh, also on my reading list is a uh, book about uh, Dennis Hopper and Brooke Haywood, a, uh, a book about the intersection of Hollywood and the art scene in uh, Southern uh, California in the early 60s. It's called Everybody Said We Were Crazy. Uh, so we'll see what that's like. And the other bit of beach reading I've got on the desk is uh, an old novel that I saw recommended in the New York Times when they talk about uh, classics that are worth uh, revisiting. Uh, this one's uh, Goethe's uh, Elective Affinities, uh, published, I believe, back in 1809. And uh, I'll be visiting this one for the first time. I've, ne I've never read that. I don't know if any of you have. Um, well, we'll see what that's like. The uh, blurb on the Back says it's a uh, novel about passion and marriage. So we will, we will see. Somehow I think I'm going to need one more. I'm not sure what it's going to, going to be, but uh, I'm going to start scrambling in the next, next week to find some other big book to carry along with me onto the beach. <laughs> it's just the kind of guy I am. All right, I think I will uh, leave it there for today. And uh, after Dokusam, we will again simply have a um, open discussion or Q&A period for anything you all would like to bring up.